Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy continues a series called Psalms of Trust. As Christians, our safe place is not where we live, but in whom we live. We live in Jesus Christ, and He lives in us, and we are preserved, preserved, guarded, protected, watched over. That's the message of the Psalms of Trust. Welcome to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Today, Philip turns our attention away from our fears and onto the faithfulness of God. When we go through storms in life, the waves and the winds can cause us to question our safety and security. But in a message titled Safe and Sound, Philip offers the strong comfort found in Psalm 16. We're being reminded that God can be trusted and God should be trusted. It's a message from the series Psalms of Trust, Statements of Faith, and if you missed the first lesson, you can replay it at ktt.org. Here's Philip. So let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 16. We started a series called Statements of Faith. We're looking at several Psalms of Trust that we find in the Psalter. These Psalms of Trust are expressions of confidence in God in trying circumstances. They are testimonies to God's sufficiency and sovereignty in the trials of life. And I've come to look at Psalm 16, a message I've entitled, Safe and Sound. Safety and security is the watchword. And I want to take you to a psalm that indeed speaks of being safe and sound. Open your Bible with your family, with your friends, or in your home, and read with me Psalm 16. I'm reading from the New King James translation of Holy Scripture. Listen to the author David as he gives testimony to his confidence in God. And then he shares us means by which we can express trust. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Their drink offering of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. O Lord, you are my portion, my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16, safe and sound. In his book, Muscular Faith, Ben Patterson, the one-time campus pastor at Westmont College here on the West Coast, 
says this, when circumstances aren't as agreeable as I want them to be, I practice a little spiritual discipline that has managed to feed my hope and give me joy. He said, when someone asks me how I'm doing, I usually answer, other than the fact that all my sins are forgiven and that I'm going to live in heaven eternally in the joy of God, I'm not doing that well. And he says, it's kind of funny to watch people's reaction as they see the irony in those words. So you're forgiven and you're going to heaven, but you're not doing well. He says that's his long version to that question, how are you doing? But he's got a short version. When someone asks him how he's doing, Ben Patterson's short version is this. I'm fundamentally sound. I love that. I'm fundamentally sound. Is that not a great way to describe the Christian life? Christians are people who are fundamentally sound. In disagreeable circumstances or in the fight of our lives, the child of God can live each and every day in the assurance that they're safe and sound in God's keeping. In the midst of crisis, God doesn't change. And if God doesn't change... Neither does his love for us, his mercy toward us, and his protection over us. Those who have come to embrace the gospel, those who have come to put their faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior of all men and the Son of God, they are fundamentally sound. I don't know if you've noticed this. I was just thinking about this this week. When you read the letter by Jude, he describes Christians, interestingly, as those preserved in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians are preserved people. The word means to watch over, to guard. As a mother watches over a child, as a doctor cares for the life of a patient, as a shepherd protects his flock, as a soldier guards a city, so God preserves his people. And the tense of that verb, preserve, is one that conveys the idea of continual action. God is constantly preserving and protecting his people. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. It's worth thinking about. As Christians, our safe place is not where we live, but in whom we live. We live in Jesus Christ and he lives in us. And we are preserved, preserved, guarded, protected, watched over. That's the message of the Psalms of Trust. Last week, we started to look at several psalms of trust. This is a category of psalms in the Psalter where the authors and the writers give expression to their confidence in God. Perhaps they have gone through the ringer. Perhaps they have walked the valley of the shadow of death and they have emerged with their faith in God intact. And they want you to know that he's worth trusting, that he can be trusted, that he should be trusted that he's trustworthy, that your faith in the faithfulness of God is never misplaced. And so I want to come and look at another one of these Psalms of trust. Last week, we looked at Psalm 46, and this week, we're going to look at Psalm 16. And you'll see that the Psalm begins in verse 1 with a declaration of faith, with an expression of trust in God. There's our word again, preserve Preserve me, says David, O God, for in you I put my trust. Now, I want to alert you to the fact that David speaks verse 1 
not in a state of desperation. I don't think he's immediately in a crisis. I don't think he's dealing with an immediate set of circumstances that threatens his life or challenges his faith in God. This verse speaks of disposition, not desperation. David is confessing faith in God, trust in God, is a life choice. It's the way he operates. It's what he does. As he gets up each and every day, he says, Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. This isn't a snapshot. This isn't a slice of David's life in a moment of crisis. This is a panoramic perspective of how David views life. He views life through the lens of trust in God. And I want you to think about that. I like the way one writer puts it. He says this, translating it, paraphrasing it. Here's what David's saying. Watch over me, O God, for I have taken refuge in you. That is, I have made a lifestyle choice to be anchored in you, God, rather than to find security in other things, such as my career, my family, my health, my wealth. Please cast a watchful eye over me. Remember me. Take care of me. For who better to trust in caring for me than God himself? I like that. This isn't a matter of desperation. This is a matter of disposition. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. This is a working principle for David. We will read later on in this text, verse 8, I have always set the Lord before me. That's the way he rolls. Good days or bad days, it's all a matter of trust. Trust is something we should be exercising all the time. We don't come and put our faith in Jesus Christ and that's it. We come and put our faith in Jesus Christ and continue to put our faith in Jesus Christ each and every day in each and every way. Wasn't it Van Savner who told the story of an old saint who went to the doctor? She had a lot of problems, some real and some imaginary. And there came a point at which the doctor said, you know what, lady, I've done all that I can do for you. You're just going to have to trust the Lord. And she says in response to that, oh, doctor, has it come to that? And Van Sandra loves to tell that story, and he, he loves to say this in response to that story. It always comes to that. Why not start with that? And David starts with that. He begins his psalm with, preserve me, O God, I put my trust in you. I believe he begins every day with that, preserve me, O God, I put my trust in you. So as we come to look at this psalm, Here's how I'm going to kind of work my way through it, and I hope you'll follow along with your Bibles open, take some notes. What are the means of grace that will allow you and me to express the greater trust in God? What are the means of grace that will allow you and me to express an expanding trust in God like David? Here's the first thing. Number one, God's provision. Let's jump in now, verse two. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. Here's a means by which you and I can trust God. Oh, my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. One of the great means of grace in the expression of trust is an unshakable assurance in God's sufficient and steadfast goodness toward us. 
The King James and a family of translations translate the Hebrew this way, my goodness is nothing apart from you. Implication would be, if we're going to have a righteousness, it's got to come from God as a gift through faith. Certainly that's the gospel. But there is a family of translations that would translate the Hebrew this way, and I like this. And there's reason to see it this way. My goodness is not beyond you. Your translation might have it something like that. My goodness is not beyond you. Dynamically, the Hebrew carries this idea. You are all the good I need. Or let me put it like this. My well-being is dependent upon you. Or any good that I know comes from you. How interesting. This is a heartfelt acknowledgement that God is the source of all good. Now, we know that to be true, don't we? James 1, 17, all good and perfect gifts come from above. David's acknowledging that, isn't he? That any good that I know comes from you. My well-being is dependent upon you. David's acknowledging that God is the source of all good, the gift of salvation, the blessing of health, the possession of freedom, the joy of a newborn child, the delight of food. It's all from God. It's all from God's good hand. God is disposed to be a blessing and a bounty to his creation. So David's trust in God, which he expresses as a lifestyle choice, as an ongoing daily experience. It's fed by this thought that the God I trust is good. Let me go on a little excursion with you. I'll give you some verses to write down and read in your own time. Here's a theology of God's goodness. Number one, God is good, right? Psalm 119.68 says, God is good. You know, it's not something he is sometimes. It's not something he becomes It's something he is all the time. It's innate to his nature. God, by his very nature, is good, bountiful, kind, giving. Here's what Psalm 119.68 also says. God is good and does good. He does good. His goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life. His providence works on our behalf. He opens his hand and the creation is fed. The pinnacle of God's good doing is that he sent his son into the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is good. God does good. Thirdly, God has good laid up for us in the future. Listen to this verse, Psalm 31 verse 19. Oh, how great is your goodness when you have laid up which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. God has storehouses of goodness. He has shelves in heaven stockpiled with good things for you and me, and we'll get them when we need them. The future's secure because it's underwritten by the goodness of God. Amen. In the middle of a corona crisis, in the middle of people panicking, in the middle of people wondering, what will they have on the other side of this? What will life look like on the other side of it? Here's where the children of God are. God is good. God does good. 
And God has stored up good for us for many years to come. Here's another thought as we wrap this idea up. Psalm 119, 71, where the psalmist says this. Listen to these words carefully. It was good for me to be afflicted because I learned your statutes. That's kind of a harbinger for Romans 8, 28, right? All things work together for good. So here's our last thought. God is good. God does good. God has goodness stored up for his people for the future. And God can take bad things and use them to good ends, to refine our faith, to deepen our worship, and remind us of things eternal. So here's my thought as we close this thought. Recognizing, recounting, and relishing God's goodness is a necessary discipline in the exercise of faith. Here's what you ought to be doing I encourage you to sit around the table as families and recount the goodness of God. Turn the pages of your life. Many dangers, toils, and snares. Through it all, you have already come, and grace that has brought you safe this far is grace that will carry you home. Recount the goodness of God, where He has healed a sickness, met a need, delivered you from evil, answered a prayer, shown Himself to be strong. Do it because as you feed your soul in the unbending, unending goodness of God, your faith will get stronger. You have reason to hope. Because one of the challenges of life's storms is that they will challenge you and tempt you to doubt the goodness of God. Here's a prime example. Write down Mark 4.38. The storm on Galilee, the disciples, Jesus is asleep. And they shake him awake. They wag their finger. They're kind of angry. They're upset. They're anxious. And they give him a bit of a tongue wagging. Lord, don't you care? We perish. Max Lucado in his book Fearless says this. Fear does this. Fear corrodes our confidence in the goodness of God right? I wonder if you come close in the past few days to asking the question, Lord, don't you care? Fear's doing that. That's not faith. Faith has reason to believe in the goodness of God, but fear will blind you to that. Max Lucado goes on, we begin to wonder if God lives in heaven and loves in heaven. If God can sleep in our storms, if his eyes stay shut when our eyes grow wide, if he permits storms after we get in his boat, does he care? Fear unleashes a swarm of doubts and anger-staring fears. I think that's right. And one of the ways you can fight that is through recounting, recognizing, and relishing the goodness of God. AD 155 the bishop of Smyrna, Polycarp, is hauled before the Roman proconsul. He's given a choice before he's sent to the Colosseum to face the lions or martyrdom. Either recount your faith or die. Here's what he says in reply. Eighty-six years I have served him, and he has never done me wrong. How can I blaspheme my God who saved me. And so he was tied to the stake, and indeed he was martyred for the cause of Jesus Christ. Here's a martyr facing martyrdom, recounting, recognizing God's goodness, which feeds his faith.
86 years I have served him, and he has done me no wrong. Let's move on. God's people. Those who delight in God's provision also delight in God's people as a provision. Look at verse 3. As for saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Here's another means of grace by which you and I can express an expanding trust in God. We can draw strength from God's people. We can huddle. We can exercise the one another's. We can live in a society of friends who are friends with God. This is the point being made here. Listen to one commentary. Based on his commitment to the Lord, the psalmist described the society of friends with whom he identified. He delighted in godly people, the saints, in the land whom he considered to be the noble, glorious ones. You see, this was a holy nation who were called by God to pursue God as a passion and a priority. And David is looking to God's people as a source of strength. He's kind of going to siphon their strength from them. He's going to borrow their insights. He's going to borrow their confidence. And it's going to strengthen him. Living side by side, we grow together in love, faith, and hope. Two is better than one, right? Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12. It's a simple point, but it's a good thought. David may even be speaking here as a king. And as a king, he finds his security and he finds his confidence not only in God, but in God's people who are looking to God themselves. They are a shoulder to lean on. The mighty warriors of Israel, the saintly saints of Israel, have come alongside David and encouraged him. Spending time with the faith community deepened the king's faith in God. There's more to learn from Psalm 16, and Philip DeCourcy will continue the message tomorrow on Know the Truth. But right now, if you're a new listener or have never reached out before, we want to send you a free devotional newly written by Pastor Philip. It's titled, Seven Days of Truth, Resting in God's Faithfulness. And it highlights passages from the book of Psalms and encourages believers to practically embrace God's faithfulness in order to face the burdens and choices of life. Request this free gift when you go online to ktt.org. Now, perhaps you've been listening to Know the Truth for a while and you like what we're doing and want to take your support a step further. Well, when you give a generous one-time gift or sign up to give monthly as a Truth Ambassador, you not only help listeners receive the guidance of God's Word through this Bible teaching broadcast, but you help countless men and women listening via the Internet, on their mobile devices, and through our printed resources. Our generous listeners are essential to this ministry. So, would you consider partnering with us? Call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. And when you do, we'll send our thanks with a book titled Seasons of Sorrow. Whether you're working through a season of sorrow or comforting others in theirs, this book will be an encouragement. Learn how God is still sovereign and good in times of loss and how it's possible to love Him more than you loved Him before. It's yours with a gift of any amount. But if your gift is $40 or more, you can also request the companion resource, the Psalms of Trust Personal Devotional Booklet, along with direct online access to the entire Psalms of Trust Statements of Faith series. 
filled with sermon notes and study guides for each sermon this month, this devotional booklet will act as a personal guide as you delve into this encouraging series. So call today, that's 888-644-8811, or give online at ktt.org. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. That's all for today, but come back tomorrow when Philip DeCourcy continues his message, Safe and Sound. Learn to anchor your hope in God, Thursday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free.